welcome to Reptory Screenings, episode 71. I'm your regular host. Oh, I'm not hosting shit. I'm the host, M. With me is Jackson. Say hi. Hello, podcast. Also with me is Destiny. Say hi. Hi. We're here after many weeks to talk about a goddamn movie. Um, things have been rough in my life. That's so <laughs> true. We um, didn't record for two weeks. I don't Four weeks? I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, we we took where there would normally been an episode. We just skipped, then waited another two weeks. Yes, yeah, yeah. We used to do the thing where we'd only wait one it's week. Too but hard. Then we, we can't. We, we can't well, do that. We scheduled this against VoIP life, so we have to. It just would make more. We can't like if we if we doubled up if we like put a, one in the midweek, we'd have to do it again immediately to get yes. back on track because we can't mess with the, the track otherwise. We just have to keep um, the slots as the slots, and if we skip a slot, we slip a slot. And because part of the reason we missed it was because uh, I was uh, both had surgery and was sick in order. Um, I just wasn't going to do that much work. So, you know, everyone knows. Everyone listening to this knows. Yeah. We're back. Uh, movies. Oh, who's, Jackson, you get to go first if you have I've, anything. I've not, I mean, I've seen several movies, but they're all called Common Rider Something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> And I don't think we necessarily want to talk about the Kamen Rider Wizard and Forza crossover movie. It's kind of bad. Um, okay. Well, then you get to sit it out. Uh, Destiny, you get to go then. <laughs> okay, I watched, I watched some movies. I watched uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Uh, How's not, Old? Not, not, not very good. <laughs> I did not. I I feel like that movie came out of nowhere, immediately reached meme status, then zoomed into the night once again to be forgotten by everyone. Yeah, it certainly did. I uh, forgot about it until it was in front of me. And um, uh, it's about a beach that makes you old, right? Like, is that literally the actual part of the movie? <laughs> it is yeah, literally about a beach that makes you old. They go to a beach, the beach makes you old. That is the movie. Yeah. Okay. okay. I guess I could go into the spoiler, but I won't. No, um, no, no. I might watch it someday. You never know. All right. I just didn't like it. It was messy and kind of stupid. And uh, some people kept comparing it to The Twilight Zone, but I feel like The Twilight Zone is much better writing. Um, um, fair enough. <laughs> so those are my old opinions. Uh, I also watched um, Walk Hard, uh, the Dewey Cox story. The Beatles, please stop fighting here in India. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. <laughs> it's very, very good. <laughs> um, it's just this dumb uh, sort of satire of, well, uh, musicians' biopics. And uh, it, 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 it hits every benchmark of those, and it's done really well. So I, I enjoyed it. I laughed out loud a bunch. There's some eye rolly stuff in it, too, because it's an old comedy, but not as much as you'd expect. It generally holds up really well. You know how how yeah. annoying the entire planet became about quoting Anchorman after Anchorman? Yes. Um, well, it's like quieter, but over time it's had a longer tail. People still quote Dewey Cox. I still quote Dewey Cox nonstop. It's, it's just a funny movie. You don't want none of that shit. <laughs> That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. All the the Tim gag. Meadows drug scene. <laughs> you don't want a part of this. <laughs> Well, I don't want to get hung over. It doesn't get you hung over. <laughs> I just kept thinking of the Mr. Show bit where it's like, it's crack, it's great, it gets you really high. <laughs> yeah. So it's still a good gag. Certainly. 
Um, I also watched a weird little movie called Vivarium uh, about this couple that's looking for a house and then they get sort of roped into uh, looking at a house by this creepy sort of real estate agent and turns out they can't leave the subdivision and then uh, there's this uh, wrench thrown into them not being able to leave uh, when they get a box on their porch and it has a baby in it and it just says on the box raise the child and you will be released um it was pretty good i i really enjoyed it it was weird um and it was kind of um one of those uh show and don't tell movies and it was kind of silly about it but i i i liked it um i sent a poster um jesse eisenberg seems woefully miscast just on the face of it in a movie like this (laughs) a little bit yeah he's kind of like the stressed out uh archetypical uh un you know unhappy father yeah it just it's like oh you're like two years too late to get right or 10 years too late to get ryan reynolds who you really want for this so you got jesse eisenberg i just feel like he seems too much like a weirdo to be like the, the like stressed out dad <laughs> but it's nice to see uh imogen poots doing something i guess yeah look the purple name it's imogene gay poots okay. shout out to her <laughs> <laughs> how did she survive high school i'm sorry <laughs> I- I, I think about it every day. Ever since I looked it up, I think about it every day. Oh, here comes Imogen Gay Poots. <laughs> Poor thing. Um, and then uh, I she watched... went to private school. That's how. Oh, yeah, that'll that... do it. Yeah, yeah. She attended a Boot House Preparatory School for Girls in Book Brook Green Queens Gate School in South Kensington. South Kensington. And... Was yes. she fucking the son of an oil baron? What the hell? Oh, the daughter of an um, oil baron? Like... Her dad is a TV producer from Belfast, and her mom's a journalist. A, a, a journalist and voluntary worker, and a current affairs television producer. Is that just like somebody who does charity stuff? I feel like this is leaving out key information here, because... Um. You're in a private school in South Kensington. You are fucking rich. This is richer than most rich people in Britain rich. Uh, so now she's damn. probably even richer. Uh, <laughs> from being yeah. in the hit film Vivarium. <laughs> from I doubt being that. in uh, uh, Need for Speed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not much to say. I did watch a movie called Five Loose Women was one of the working titles. What was the title we watched it under? Fugitive oh, Girls. Fugitive Girls. Yeah, that's one of mine. Yep. Uh, exploitation at its finest. I'll let him talk about it. <laughs> sure, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so we were just finding something. We, I was like, we need something to watch. And you went to Arrow. And it was like, this is under 90 minutes. We'll watch this one. Um, it's about a woman who's wrongfully imprisoned for a murder and goes to like work work camp prison which i'm pretty sure is just like a summer camp cabin that they've they 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 i didn't even they didn't even remove the wrestling posters from the walls no uh, and so she's in there and she's bunking with these four other women who are all psychos they're all like murdering 
rapist psychos <laughs> and they have a plan to break out of prison and take her along and go on like a murder spree across the American Southwest. Uh, they meet some hippies. They meet like a traveling business guy. They run afoul of like some hicks and some some uh there's some bikers i believe there's some bikers yeah they fuck up those bikers and the best part is there's a duel uh role played by uh edward d wood jr (laughs) who wrote the movie yes yes so that that was Um, a treat that was a little treat um this is just like schlockiest shit in the world um it um it is aggressively Day for night in a way that is delightful. I feel like this is the one thing in movies they need to bring back. Just bring back your shooting, your day for nights. They're good. I miss them. Excuse me. I was um, watching Comrade in movies. Day for night is alive and well. Yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then this movie had this fucking weird thing where like they're driving through the night and all the exterior shots are day for night and whatever. That's fun in some way. But then the car interiors are pitch black, clearly like in a closed garage of them sitting in the cars as like colored and they're in like the middle of nowhere like the american southwest like they're driving the desert but like colored lights just go past them in like a kaleidoscope of colors they're driving through the night and these two day for night bright daylight clearly and <laughs> in the garage are just intercut between the exterior shots the interior shots of them in the car fucking wild you can make movies out of anything yeah it, it was great and there's like apparently like two or three versions of this movie some are pornier than others the one yes. we watched was pretty porny it was the it was the most coherent release of the movie. There's one that's short. There's like one in either direction. One where they cut out the fucking, and one where they cut out the things that are not fucking. <laughs> so <laughs> they have the two cut. The, the one like I'm I don't care about the nuances of this exploitation movie. I'm here for the fucking. <laughs> it's really bad fucking. No one should want to go to that see that movie for fucking. Yeah, no, it's um, not. Not, it's not a gross. Good time. There's something about 70s exploitation movies. They're just the least appealing things in the entire world. And they're so desperate to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to watch these people fuck. It's like, mm, mm, mm. one, no one move, no one positions themselves like this to do anything. I don't think these people have ever actually had sex. Yep. Um, two, it's shot gross. It's just shot gross. <laughs> it's Everything just is gross. Yeah, it's just yeah, grimy. It makes you want to take a shower. It's really yeah. bad. It's, it's, also like my one of my favorite things about that genre it's just so uncomfortable um anyway I, I thought the movie was fun i gave it two stars it was not very good that's what i gave old i gave it two stars it gets and one then, star for being an in my Shyamalan movie and another star for being uh kind of eh, somewhat interesting go on um i would call this a stronger two stars than your old two star sounds <laughs> to be honest um, and then I watched Zigfield Girl, uh, the 1941 film uh, that is um, so Zigfield Girls is like a like kind of a Broadway review show of just like girls dancing and singing and doing stuff on stage or whatever. And this is like the Ur Rise to Stardom film where it's three stories. There's Judy Garland, there's Hedy Lamarr and there's Lana Turner. And they're all like they all get picked for this new like season of Ziegfeld girls and Judy Garland's like on, she's doing like vaudeville with her aging and ailing father. She grew up doing it with him and he wants her to get a real job in Broadway because vaudeville's on her way on its way out. And she's like, I don't want to leave you daddy. What are you going to do? And he's like, it'll be fine. I'll go to Omaha. And he's just stinking up the joint in Omaha. Um, getting very bad, uh, you know, 
houses having a rough time. Um, and then there's Hedy Lamar, who is a European immigrant with her husband, who's a violinist. Um, feel like it is heavily implied that they fled like the Nazis, <laughs> um, but is not outright stated. And he just wants a job playing music and they won't hire him because he's too good at classical music. And they're like, we do Broadway shows. Like, what do you want? You, you, don't, you can't get a job here. Um, and so she gets in because she's Hedy Lamar and is beautiful. Um, and he has a bunch of, um, what do I want there? He has a bunch of insecurities about her, his wife now being the person who's making all the money. And then Lana Turner's an elevator girl at like a big department store. And she's just like kind of like a loose woman who's loud and brash and living her life in the city. Um, and she, her boyfriend is James Stewart, who is loud and brash and like a trucker. <laughs> um, and he, she gets picked and suddenly has a bunch of throw amount of money and doesn't have time for this broke truck driver anymore. And so he gets in with a bunch of rum runners because it's uh, prohibition or whatever to start doing crime stuff. But then she realizes he's doing crime stuff and he goes to jail and she doesn't want anything to do with him. And so, um, Everyone has their own arc of how this goes for this sort of thing. Uh, Hedy Lamar ends up leaving to tour with her husband, just doing his classical music, supporting his work. Judy Garland becomes a big star, gets her dad hired. He turns out everyone loves a vaudeville guy, um, and he becomes part of the Zegfield Girl act. And then uh, Lana Turner um, drinks herself to death. <laughs> uh, the fate of the loose woman in the <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> post-haze code world. It was all right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's. I mean, it sounded like you were coming up with every plot point off the top of your head, just making it up as you went along. But I believe every variety of what a like rise to start a movie can be, they just did all of them at once. It's great. You just kept bouncing. I just kept going. I was like, okay, yep, and that as well. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because of that, it's like mind. a breezy. Like it's a very breezy two hours because they shove three movies in there and they're all pretty good. So. Um, I had never seen Hedy Lamar in anything. She's really fucking good. I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything. Yeah. Lana Turner? Not very good. Not in this movie, anyway. I love Lana Turner. Imitation of Life. Yeah, I mean, I've seen her in stuff and she's been good in it. Um, but this one was not it. Um, yeah. but that was it for me. I, like I said, I've been sick and I've been, I've just been gaming mode. I've just spent all my time playing video games. I've been watching some anime. None of that we cover here, so. Gaming. What are you going to do? Uh, all right, then. Our movie club. Um, for some reason, I clicked off it. That sucks. We watched Paris, Texas. Yeah, we did. Um, which is the 1984 movie uh, directed by Vim Vendors, uh, written by Ellen Kit Carson and Sam Shepard. Uh this came out, as I said, in 1984. Um, Destin, you picked this, right? None of us had seen this. None of us had seen it, and I did pick it uh, yeah, uh, for that very reason. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, always wanted to see it. Uh, you sold me when... Uh, or not you sold me, but I was sold on this movie because Harry Dean Stanton and Dean Stockwell are in it, and I love them both, so it's been on the list for a while. Fair enough. I... um. This came up when we did our VoIP life about the movies with the Ornate Stairwells crew. They have covered this movie. They, we were supposed to do this the same week and then that fell apart. So if you'd like to listen to another episode about Paris, Texas, where Autumn and Neve talk about it, you can listen to Ornate Stairwells. Yeah. They go much longer than we do. 
we haven't what do you don't know what if we're about <laughs> what if we're about to embark on a three <laughs> hour podcast <laughs> you can't even pretend we would hit that runtime. not even close never just... in our lives did this podcast hit anywhere even the shortest stairwell i think is longer than every episode of this podcast we just don't pod in that way yeah especially on this one this one's very casual anyway check what happens in paris texas um shit uh harry dean stanton um what's his name um travis travis Travis, uh emerges out of the desert in texas in a haze uh how long has he been walking where is he going no one knows he faints in a bar uh and they call uh his brother to come pick him up uh from los angeles um because this brother uh has been raising his son hunter since uh he and his wife both disappeared four years ago in mysterious circumstances travis is reluctant to talk about it but as he's brought back to los angeles opens up uh to the brother um and also his son and becomes starts to like be a better father to him uh which causes tension with um his brother's wife who's actually been raising this kid for four years uh and eventually he takes his son and they go in search of uh his wife um who also disappeared in mysterious circumstances, uh, did not go off and walk in a fugue state though. Uh, and uh, they they find her uh, in a city, um, drawing drawing a bank. That's the information he gets from the uh, from his brother's wife, and follow her to like a um, fairly short <laughs> movie invented, completely fake idea of um, like peep shows. Uh, I where- these are I don't I don't think these are fake. The, specifically as therapy <laughs> oh yeah okay maybe the, like the framing of what they are is but she makes it sound like the the talking to the girls and doing emotional work is like the like point of them in a way that i'm like i don't know if that but I, I guess it could exist maybe it does i i don't know shit about anything um, i thought that's just what she said she provided because uh, like it is a you know they are sex workers and it is the peep show but the way it is is like they come there and they also there's a phone call and they talk to each other uh and this device is used for him to give emotional revealing to what their uh life was uh you know and they had a life together uh, they're very happy but um it soured over time they had a kid and uh he was abusive uh she ran away and uh the house the trailer burned down um and that is the way it ended and his way of reconciliation is to leave the kid with her and drive off into the night with his sins the end of the movie that's true is the end of the movie um i thought this movie was fucking great it's a great movie it's a great yeah. movie mm-hmm. no haters um, here <laughs> i uh need to watch more vim vendors clearly um Cause damn, uh, yeah. So the first half is just kind of like, what's wrong with Travis? Did something happen to him? Um, he slowly opens up. Um, having not knowing what this movie was, I was like, like it, it, it could have been like, I was like, is he is he haunted? Do I mean that in like a real way? Do I mean that in like a metaphorical way? Is it gonna like reveal some horrible tragedy? Um, and the answer is no, kind of to all of those, but also a little bit yes. Um, but it's so slow in the open up and then just turns to this goofy, like 
father-son detective thing, um, yeah. which is very delightful. Um, a child that fair-haired and fair-skinned would cook alive on the cement of the Texas sun <laughs> when he fell asleep, by the way. So oh, like, yeah. During memory, I'm like, oh, that kid's dead. <laughs> he, just let, he just fell asleep on a, like a concrete like uh, like railing in the middle of Texas in summer in like the middle of the afternoon. There's like, there's no way he's like half of him is just like stuck to the pavement. The other half is just like a, a fried egg. Yeah. They cooked him <laughs> like an egg. Like, like that's absolutely what happens. <laughs> um, but I do have that goofy detective thing. And then he finds his uh, wife and they solve it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so his brother, uh, Walt is, uh, married to this woman named Anne who's French, like, played by Aurora Clement and is just vi- visibly audibly French, right? Um, <laughs> yes. But then he was married to Jane, uh, who is played by Natasha Kinski, um, who is German, who is not playing German. She's playing Texan with a dodgy, very slippery accent. <laughs> she is doing her best. You know what? She could have done worse. No, I've seen she, significantly she, she, worse. She genuinely, she does. she genuinely does really good until she starts having to cry and do an accent, and then it's hard. It's hard for yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, but it's so funny to me, this idea of these two brothers who both end up with these, like, you know, continental European wives. Um, because this movie, to me, feels like kind of european like drama art house sensibility running against like the the american grim like modern sensibility right yes of like rugged men who you know drink their feelings and hit their wives and just like that the salt of the earth negative positive both like this is just what people these guys are these guys are just men of america um and these women just like exist in that orbit um and it's all estranged and there's no bridging it even when people open up because uh all one by the time people open people only open up when they are already hurt and it's already too hurt to like build bridges um Mm -hmm. and uh, i think that stuff is fucking fantastic yeah it's Uh, handled really well uh i really liked it um the uh like slow reveal of um uh, Travis's character is really well done because it starts out and like he's barely responsive, right? <laughs> yeah, um, there's a bit where you're like, literally getting him home is like like the first half of Rain Man. Yes, like that's how they yes. play. It. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely a Rain Man situation because because and then like even when he comes home, he's like getting putting all the shoes outside and just doing weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, is this is this a movie about how like this this guy is? nebulously autistic movie mentally ill i don't know um and it kind of shifts away from that once he starts like talking to his kid uh it's literally like he just forgot how to be a person and had yes. to be remembered like be reminded through interaction with others yes that's kind of how it ends up being played but also because of that he's like always teetering on the edge of going back into the desert and just disappearing again I mean that is kind of how the movie ends. Yes, yeah. yeah. He's he just does. like I, whatever, whatever I'm looking for out there, I just still want to go, even though I re- remember who I am now and I have this family that I could put back together, but it wouldn't change this part of me, so I have to leave. Yes, the wandering cowboy. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's how it 
Uh, is Wimbenders German? Wimbenders German? Yes. I'm, uh, I believe yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's just a, I don't know, a very European way of looking at <laughs> this specific culture. Uh, yeah. It's funny because, like, Walt, his brother, is just the most, like, normal 80s, not quite yuppie, but wants to be yuppie, right? Like, they're on their way. Yeah, they're getting there. If he, if he wasn't, he was, he was trying, if he, like, wasn't from Texas or whatever, if, if he was, like, had a little more money to start with, they would be in yuppie. They'd be living in safe instead of in Paris, Texas. Uh, it's that, and it's, like, you know, he's, he's the mid-80s already. She yeah. really should have been doing this in the 70s to get there. Yeah. Um, because he's, he's, he, like, makes billboards. <laughs> yeah. Um, or oh, owns a billboard company. Uh, mm. fake his fucking job. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, they they did real solid by this kid, but because it's not their kid, they feel weird about it, right? Like, only um, in the 80s could you have a movie where the, the dad comes back, basically kidnaps the kid, and they're just like, well, what are we going to do about it? I don't know. Nothing, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, he is fine with it. He's very happy to be like, oh, I did my job. I like the kid, but I'm glad, you know, get back to my own life. Uh, she is like, I, I had to be a mother for four years. Now you fucking take that away from me. She is not having it. But unfortunately, is not a main character of this movie. So gets fucking owned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt really bad for her. Um, she is. She's also the person who's like most clearly aware of everyone's feelings and is mediating that space because she's, you know, the French wife who's dealing with this businessman guy and uh, you know his, her like her nephew that she's adopted basically and has to navigate all that space she's it's the rough. one that gives the details about his wife but does not think he's also going to steal the kid when she does that yes um both to, like genuinely because she thinks it'd help everything but all you know there's also the question of you know get him out of there and have yes. to go look for jane or whatever and then the like subtext of all of that is like really good scenes of like these arguments playing out and the uh, hunter hearing them or uh, Travis hearing them and like you know good domestic scenes of conflict spilling out over its bounds and yes. just creating tension. The bits of Travis and uh, Hunter like getting familiar with each other as he tries to pick him up from school multiple times is very good. Oh, the I bit can. where they like walk on the other side of the road. Yes. Yeah. It's like a silent movie his fucking ludicrous suits yes it's good <laughs> love it i love that scene where the like housekeeper is helping him like pick out the outfit and it's like do you do you are you rich if you're rich this is how you need to act <laughs> are you a father and this is how a father should act um but yeah it's good the little precocious road trip is nice like there's no peril um which is good that's stuff where I'm like, no American would just play this movie where, like, it's fine that he stole the kid. There'd be cops involved somehow. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely true. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a movie without cops. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> this is a movie without cops. This is a movie kind of without money. Um, just far more concerned with, like, just the experience of the place. Yes. Um, than it is with the day-to-day, -day, like, things. Yeah. It's more more about, like the ways in which Texas bleeds from still literally looking like an actual cowboy movie into very boring 80s cities that look like they could be anywhere. Um, yeah. It's about, like, the landscape of America and how <laughs> weird a place it is. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, the bit where he spots her car and then has to wake his dad up over the walkie-talkie. And then by the time they're chasing the car, there's two cars that are exact same. So goofy and out of nowhere in this movie to do that bit. I um, laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah. Plus, they just follow the right one. Like, he, yeah, they just follow yeah, the right one. Yeah. There's no it's, it's complication fine. there. <laughs> but it takes them so long to, like, reveal that they follow the right one. Um, Were you trying they, like, to read they... the um, number plate to make sure it's Static Shack if it was the right one? No. Okay. But, like, he's like, uh, there was a blonde woman in a red car, and she was listening to a Walkman. She had headphones on. She does. She's listening to her Walkman with her headphones in while she's driving her car, which is, man, uh, you want to date this movie more than anything else in the world. Um, <laughs> and they follow her to, the like, where she's parked in the back alley of this place, and he goes in, and, like, it still could not be her. They don't know, right? Like, Yeah. Because um, all he's got to go off of is blonde lady in a little red car or whatever fit the description but he hasn't seen his mom in years how does he know um turns out it is it's fine and uh she's hanging out at the bar with uh john lurie who looks like a child in this movie yeah he's like oh bird my dad's suit i'm gonna be in this movie <laughs> it, it is cartoonish when he goes to that place and like the guy there is like you can't you can't be in here uh, this, this is for run this establishment like this, whatever. And I'm like, you're five years old. You're staring at Bugsy Malone. What are you fucking doing here? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is only like two years before Down by Law. It's not like he's and I, this is the same year as Stranger Paradise. Those just movies just have a different vibe. Yeah, uh, the age plays way differently in those movies than uh, it does in this. Because I mean, the thing about um, thing about uh, Harry Dean Stanton is he's fucking old. He's an he's he's already old in this movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, so he he's old, um, and, like, they don't make it explicit, but he's playing slightly younger than he is. But he's also, like, when he talks to Jane and they have this conversation, it's like, she was young and really fell for this older guy. Like, he already feels like a person who could have had a, another wife and kid that, like, are gone, gone for real in another life before even he met Jane, right? Like, mm -hmm. he's lived a life. He's already, like, a guy who, like, was you know, had six different careers that he quit before he ever even started with Jane. Um, and I think that's like important to his character that he's like just a middle, he's a middle-aged guy already in this yes. um, with a young wife that he never should have gotten with. <laughs> and this little kid uh, who he feels very, because there's that golf, there is like this lack of fear on his part, right? Where he just, you know, he can just relate to the kid as like a, as both a person and a curiosity in a way that if he was a young, younger dad, I feel like it would come across way different. Mm -hmm. I do feel like uh, all the scenes with him and the kid are really good. The way he, like, they're really good. Uh, wins him the over. bit where the, he, he like goes to the bar and he has to like, he drags him into this, like that bench, that empty ass room in the middle of the night is really good. Um, the bit where, uh, <laughs> he's like, dug it out of the car. Uh, and if, if anyone comes along telling him death just inside and then he goes in and it's a strip club yes <laughs> so funny <laughs> and then it cuts out and the kids already got out the car like yes. <laughs> on all fronts very funny yeah um this was all really good um the actual thing though is uh Natasha Kinski's like monologue is the best part of this movie it's fucking incredible mm-hmm the like long scene of just him telling the story and then her responding with her own story 
as she like looks away and like hides down in the bottom of the room that she's in. It's just fucking good. That's what the cinema is. People acting their heart out. It's a fantastic scene. It's really interesting as a scene because like um it's clearly the centerpiece of the film, like on every mm-hmm. level, right? When Windows knows yes. it, everyone knows it. Um but the film itself is so um I don't know what the word is, but it, like if it like it just kind of like goes from from these these scenes to these scenes, uh, very free free floating, feels very rested, um, not improvisational because it's clearly planned, but it doesn't feel like, like they sit they do the scene and it's the most like okay we've got some fucking staging to do you turn around it feels far yes. more artificial than the rest of the movie yes which is um like on purpose not like it's a problem. Uh, but it yeah. feels like it's like it is a staged piece happening in a way that the other scenes feel just like dreamlike moments sometimes as they like mm-hmm. yeah walk about the landscape, yeah, or even improvised, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that one's definitely like we're everything's tight. You got the script, hit the script, do the script. Mm-hmm. Everyone's wrung out at the end of the day. We did some acting. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just really good. Um, I really like the way in which that like just dissolves straight into the ending. She comes in and you know he's watching in the car, ready to drive away. Um, like the the heroic cowboy hero ready to go back into the the wilderness, but the wilderness is really just like malaise. Yes, I mean the like, he's not he's not he's not looking for anything he's gonna find. Right, there's nothing there. No, I mean like. We don't know what happens next, right? Like, I don't... Sure, but he's 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 got this photo of, like, this land he bought, this empty lot he bought in Paris, Texas, which seems like it's just the end of the world. Desert version. Yes. Um, and he wants to go there someday because he's like, oh, I was conceived in that town, and I want someday I'm going to live there or whatever, as, like, this idea of, like, finding roots or finding home. But he's a guy who leaves his roots and home. Like, we know that about him. He He can't hold on to the thing he already had. Um, so he's just wandering to wander, right? Yes, but he's not wandering to wander at the start of the movie. At the start of the movie, he's, like, not a person. Sure, but I, that started with, yes. after everything blew up with them, he was that wandering and whatever, and whatever went too far and lost himself. But the minute he finds himself, he goes right back out to doing that. Like, there's no way he does not end on the other side of this exactly where he was at the end of this movie, having lost himself once again. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying otherwise. I'm just saying that, like... I, I felt like this movie ends in um uh like more ambiguous way of just like I mean all that happened what are you gonna a lot of mess right like I don't feel like it necessarily ends in like a and then this is definitely his fate forever no situation. but I think like this idea of like this like rugged workman dealing with the identity crisis of being a person just the movie's like that that person can never can't can't be the rugged individual character and still hold on to things that actually matter they just will always drift away mm-hmm. you know you can't you can't be the mythic version of a cowboy and also like have a wife and kid doesn't work uh yeah but like i mean like the the part of the story, right, that he tells is like revealing how fucking awful he was as a person to her, right? Like he couldn't yes, have actually yes. like the version where he stays and they do become a family, I think, is far worse. Uh and he's a more selfish character if he does that. Like there are he does he is reverting to this this uh kind of hopeless existence that he starts the movie in, but it's also an awareness that like 
he can't just assert himself back into her life. That's also selfish and rude. He doesn't really have an answer, right? Which is why his his longing is for like Paris, Texas. That that's his eventual idea of an answer, right? Sure, but there is a solution where he stays in his kid's life, and some maybe sometimes he's Jane, and they're not a family unit again. Mm-hmm. But he could live. He could yes. choose to be responsible, and he eschews that, right? Yeah, I mean, like you, the actual version in real life is they keep living. Maybe they see him sometimes. You know, the, the, he goes. He he also sees his other family. Uh, everyone can actually navigate these things, but he does decide to just leave instead of do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> However, it would go. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Great film. That's true. Very I much. will say, uh, yo, the colors in this movie. Yes. Looks so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, they're good. So I got, I don't have like a critique of the color theory. Just damn, I like to look at it with my eyes. That's <laughs> yeah. lots of good, good uh, skies. Yes. We need to watch some fucking westerns. I guess we do. I guess we just actually yes. need to watch some westerns. Like, you need to get John Ford into your heart so you're like, oh, right. This is where this is pulling from because all these guys watched that shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I know it's doing westerns. I am not, I'm not saying, oh, well, what an inventive movie with shots of um, I know. Texas. But just like this idea of like, you know this this way of depicting the american southwest specifically is in the south is so driven by that product being exported to europe yes that's the thing that's interesting um but yeah it's good i don't know how much else i have though uh we can get questions we got some questions yeah destiny okay uh if you'd like to send questions you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com it can be about any movie, not just what we're covering. First one is from Modron. If you could make a movie set in a town that's named after a different, more famous city, which would it be? Send some lists of this. Uh, to which I immediately notice that there is an Odessa, Texas, named after the Odessa in Ukraine. I think I knew this, in fact. But I just want to imagine uh, Odessa Day in Gundam happening in Odessa, Texas. The real duel in Texas is here. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> And then they go to Space Texas after that. <laughs> right, the third, the, the third the colony of Texas. Yeah, the colony of Texas, yeah. Um, the problem with this for me is that literally every UK city is one of these already. Yeah. <laughs> um, you cannot name a UK city that doesn't have multiple American counterparts. London's more famous here, obviously, the big city. Uh, but I'm, I'm like... It really depends on where you live. Like when you say, when you, I mean, like is Birmingham more famous here or in America? I know Birmingham's an American city. That famous one, I don't know. It's in Alabama, right? It's relatively famous. Yeah, it's in it's Alabama. Famous for the atrocities during the civil rights <laughs> yes. movement. Right. Yes, yeah. I, I've, I, when it comes up, it is not necessarily in um, <laughs> uh, happy contexts. Uh, but like, and that's the second biggest city in the UK. So like, you know, I, I don't know anywhere in the UK, I guess. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to set a movie in Berlin, Wisconsin, about a rock star who's trying to get off heroin, and uh, in the fashion of David Bowie, who went to Berlin, Germany, to do the same. Uh, 
And you could do a fun little quirky fish out of water comedy. Wouldn't that be fun? I'll be starring my professor who dressed up as David Bowie for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Nora writes in, what's the last movie you went into hoping you would like but just didn't? Honestly, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a pretty good one. That's a good one. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies I hope then. I hope I watch, I like every movie um, is the thing. It's not like I don't go in hoping I like, you know, you know what I mean here. Absolutely. I mean, 100% fully agree. However, it's not like Good Morning Vietnam counts. For this, no, 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 no. I, yes, that's correct. Um, uh, as I scroll through, what are the movies? I the problem is, this is a weird and vague question. In that, there are movies I really like that I might say for this, right? Like, I'm scrolling through my recent movies, watch, I'm like, oh, Kia, I, I get that four stars, I really like Kia. I don't like Kia in the way that, like, you, um, you and Neve like Kia, right? As, as an example. Mm. Uh, I just mostly like it. Um, but I'm going through these and most of these. They're just pretty good. I didn't like It Happened One Night. That was the one I expected to like and I thought it fucking sucked. There you go. There's a movie. Fair enough. I'm trying to think of the last time I was just been really disappointed by a movie. Um, I'm like, Batman? No. Batman I enjoyed exactly as much as I expected to. <laughs> mean that in kind of a derogatory sense. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look. It happens. What are you going to do? Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, any movie soundtracks you think of more fondly than the actual movie they come from? Tron Legacy. Oh, fuck. That's a great answer. <laughs> I feel like it's the default answer of like... This, yeah. What if yeah, it's just yeah. a fucking terrible movie had an incredible Daft Punk album attached to it? Why? 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, no, fair enough. I always think of The Crow. That soundtrack is so good. And I just... I don't think about that movie, but I think about that soundtrack all the time. Um, That's fair. You're, you're allowed. <laughs> um... Yeah, I can't think of, I don't, my thing is, is when I, even when I was watch, listening to a lot of soundtracks, I'd only listen to soundtracks of movies I'd seen, so, um, and then, like, if I didn't like the movie, I often wouldn't seek out the soundtrack, so I can't think of one of these off the top of my head, I'll be perfectly honest, it's, I know it's, I feel like I'm the soundtrack person, but just the way I consume them doesn't really allow for that. Mm -hmm. I don't even think I owned very many, the only one that comes to mind is embarrassing, it's The Wedding Singer, which was just 80s radio pop. <laughs> um, what would the Y2K Stranger Things be? I don't know how okay, to Okay, I know what this, this is asking. <laughs> yes. But I just don't... I'm, I don't know how... I mean, the Y2K Stranger Things is Serial Experiments Lane. It already exists. No, it's not. It physically can't be. Why not? Because it was made at the time! <laughs> Uh, sure, but I mean, like, in terms of what the plot is, the plot is about the estrangement and alienation of the internet and the strange, like, interconnectedness that leads to weird circumstance and, like, kind of spooky unknowns of the late 90s internet, this specifically. Is, yeah, but this is about what... And in fact, like... there's a lot of media about that in, that exists at this point. Yeah, like, you are literally playing Hypnospace Outlaw. I'm literally playing Hypnospace Outlaw, which is about that, yes. Um, but I'm trying to think of, like, what 
would be the, the problem is the problem is is that there's too many disparate subcultures which is also true of the 80s but that the 80s stuff like the big one is so economically like a big block that they are able to pull from it and mythologize it is as the canon of 80s stuff right that's why stranger things doing like a stephen king riff is 98 percent of all 80s throwback thing is doing that even uh, yeah. i don't think there's like as bigger core to pull on from y2k type era stuff would you uh, have to pull from a horror thing from the era would it be like no. a modern thing doing an internet story but it's also a scream because scream is of the era be doing i like, mean do they mean y2k is in like about the the bug and the internet or just about i specifically mean yeah i would say from the from 98 to 2001 be like 9-11 really cuts us off really 9-11 does cut this off man <laughs> um but like because i'm not i'm a kid then what do i remember i'm like it's you know i remember pokemon being huge um i mean my 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 actual answer i have a genuinely good answer for this and it's a book my friend wrote that isn't out yet <laughs> it's really good someday it'll be out and i'll be like oh you should just read this thing and it's it's one of these it's great I like it a lot. Unfortunately, it's not out yet. Not out yet. No, you did an early read on that one. Uh, can't can't <laughs> reveal any more details, but we'll let you know when we when we know. I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I do. I do think it's internet stuff like Hypnospace Outlaw. Like like Lane is from the era, yes. but it's like this. Um, the Japanese film Pulse. Um, fuck man, that movie's great. Is also kind of what I would assume this would be. Um, that's about ghosts and cell phones. Um. I think it has to be about the technology and the internet. Like, there's no way to not to get around that one. I yeah, agree. I mean, those are like part of it. But the question was Stranger Things, not like a good meta text. Isn't Stranger Things so much about like what what defines culture of the '80s, which is like the the ragtag group of kids with all the different cultural yes. interests being being united under this like banner of realizing that like it's like the dis- dissolution of the family unit and the like the the myth of like American small town safety going away. Right. Which is in itself like a historical. That's like what these I'm, plots I'm, are. I'm saying it would be instead of manifesting through like the thing you're saying, I'm saying it'd be like, they hang out on I am and they have like clear plastic cell phones, right? Like it is about yes. the, it is a, a, about the service level aesthetics more than it necessarily yeah. is the like deeper ideas of how internet connection changes relations. That's true. But both things can be true. There will also be a bunch of like plastic technology and everyone will look goofy. Yes. I think I, you know, what? I've just, I've changed my mind. I think it's already exists. It's called Homestuck. That's no, that's, that's two years. That's like six years too late no, well, in terms it, of like the internet's pulling from. No, no, no. Cause he's, he's fucking, yes. the, the, the man is in his thirties when he starts writing it. He's writing about AI. He's, we've read the first bits of Homestuck. That is a man writing about a messages in the nineties. You cannot tell me that's not true. I think so much about like the, well, one. It's about the fucking Sims. Sims didn't exist in the time frame we're talking about here. Okay, well, yes, but I still think it is an allowed answer. I I just think you're off. You're you weren't alive enough to understand the perspective that you, how off you are. It like you made this feel wrong. <laughs> I mean, I was I was very young. I, I remember pre two thousand. I'm like, well, you know, power. When Rangers I say ninety eight, and-, and you say, oh, a giant The Sims parody. I'm like, well, fuck, you just like ruined the whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't on the Because those two things don't exist at the same time. When you say 98, I think, oh, the World Cup. And I was at nursery school. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Hilver writes in, who gets a better biopic film made about them, Spielberg, Cameron, or Tarantino, and will a biopic be made of any of these directors in their lifetimes? The actual secret is directors don't really get biopics unless they do something other than be a director. Exactly. They have to have something else going on, something more interesting. I can't even think. The only, uh, Ed Wood is the only director biopic I've ever seen. I think there's a Hitchcock one just about him being a creep to his actresses, right? Which I guess you could do with Tarantino. But none of these guys are a a figure of pop culture iconography. Maybe Tarantino is close, I guess, in the way that Hitchcock was. Like, they've made multiple movies about Orson Welles. They're not making anything about fucking Spielberg or James Cameron. They're just not. while I do agree with all of this, uh, I think if you had to put a gun to my head and say they've made a biopic about these three, which one's the best? It's probably the Cameron. Spielberg one. Cameron? Cameron. You got Cameron? It's definitely not the Tarantino one. That one's the worst. Like, that one's easily yeah. a terrible movie. Yeah. I specifically want, like, a really schmaltzy man torn between making art and doing science James Cameron puff piece biopic. <laughs> I think it'd be so fucking funny. <laughs> Can you, the, oh, it's, it's, do i do i make do i make entertainment for the children or do i explore the oceans i'm so <laughs> torn i'm james cameron james cameron coming back from the ocean like i wish i could make a world i wish they could be there and they could see they could reach out and touch it <laughs> <laughs> i wish i could i could express how this blue planet feels to me <laughs> Yeah, oh my God. I think it's way. F- that's the funniest answer to me. <laughs> I went and looked, uh, and there's a Wikipedia page titled "Biographical Films about Film Directors and Producers." There's like ten of these. There's always oh, yeah. nothing. The Saving Mr. Yeah. Banks, man, that's a fucking terrible movie. Don't mean to shock you with I haven't that. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, there's Hitchcock. There's Edward. There's the Disaster Artist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. so. That's so. Honestly, that movie is basically not about Tommy Wiseau at all. It's just about the making of you know, because yeah, that, that's a man who doesn't have a truth to be revealed in the way that matters. No, I assume that movie is a like almost entirely invented projection about what it is to yes. make art. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. which is fine, you know. It was a good yeah. movie. I mean, Ed Wood is kind of that too. Like you get down to it, so yes. Oh, I, I mean, love Ed Wood. Yeah, any movie about bad movies is fundamentally going to be that. You can't do anything else. Yes. <laughs> um, Aiden Rainson, I once saw Harry Dean Stanton described as having a face that's rewarding to look at. Uh, any other actors you find fit this description of you just like looking at them, and not in like an attractive sense, but we knew that. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. A serious he's, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's got a face that's rewarding to look at. That's fair. He's, um, uh, I, I think, is he, I, I think I'm thinking the right guy. He's in, um, Shape of Water, yeah. He's in the Shape of Water as the best okay. character in there who just makes sad faces all the time and bad things good. happen to him. He's great you're, at that. Good. I love that. Um, Samantha Morton for me. Oh, that's good. Um, I'm gonna go with Willem Dafoe. I love Willem That's Dafoe. So he's got a great face. Doesn't matter what he's doing, evil, good, for 30 years, great face. Um, there's a question about, uh, movies with, like, notable signs and, like, I, like, text on buildings. Uh, anything standing out for you? I didn't have one for these, so I was like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah nothing I don't sticks know. out for nothing me. Out. All right, our third question then uh, about split diopter shots. This movie has an infamous. 
this is this is me editorializing. This movie hinges on a split diver shot that is like kind of shoddy and lasts for five minutes, and it's incredible to me how like it barely holds together. The edge of uh, the edge of edge of his face is just kind of blurred out in a way. I'm like, I would have done this in another take, but I guess you did get the acting the way you want it. Uh, I mean, yeah, they got the shot. I'm sorry, they got yeah. the shot. I know um, it was funny to me, but is any other notable split diver shots that you could think of? in any film and the one i instantly thought of and then i looked up i was like famous split diver shots and it was in the list is uh in mission impossible the classic <laughs> film uh the shot where jean reno is in the the um the vents and looks up and sees a rat heading towards him as he's like holding ethan hunt it's like a famous split after it's fucking incredible god that shot's so good <laughs> yes um I have an answer, but it just makes me mad. Okay. Uh, it is the split diopter shot in Toy Story 4. It's no, You don't know you're not using cameras, <laughs> but they, they spend so much money replicating to do a real split diopter shot in Toy Story 4. Okay. That's... Uh, okay. Make an animated the one, movie! <laughs> the, first, the first split diopter shot I ever remember noticing as like, that looks weird, is the one in the first Matrix, right at the beginning, where the cop reaches for Trinity when she has her hands up. Oh, yeah. That's a cool shot. Yeah. That whole sequence is um, fucking sick as hell. When I was looking at famous split diopter shot... Destiny, you haven't answered yet. I'm just talking. Oh, um... I had to look this up, because I'm like not exactly sure, but the scene where Tony Maria first see each other across the room in West Side Story and they like walk towards each other is one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, and everything else sort of is just a blur and it's very pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, in looking up famous split after shots, um, and I didn't think about this because I haven't seen this movie in a while I need to watch it because it's got a new restoration out or whatever. Um, Star Trek motion picture comes up a lot because now they have widescreen and a bridge to shoot. All the bridge shots are split after to show when they would just shove people into a television frame and like flat focus it uh now everything has like depth but they use split doctors to get everyone in the same frame and it just fucking looks wild because the when they go back to tv trek does not look like that anymore it's only in that movie uh damn yeah like if you just google split doctor shots and look at the google image search you just get star trek motion picture like coming up multiple times um yeah it's goofy there's the a lot of those Jaws one comes up a lot. Yeah, I'm just going oh. to do this now. Yeah, there's a bunch there's a of couple in Jaws. Yeah, apparently yeah. Citizen Kane does this a lot. Yeah, yes. I mean it's like one of the first ones to really. That's just one of the things, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Weird yeah. new things. Yep. Um. Ba, ba, ba. Okay. Let me get to the emails again. Uh, Tron writes in. Uh, what's your favorite looking shot or scene in the movie? Ooh. the whole thing i don't know i mean like i guess the big climatic scene but also just like any shot where there's a sky <laughs> <laughs> the first scene uh, where walt talks about hunter in front of travis and he like silently cries and they just kind of have this long shot of um his face it's good um for me it's where when they're on the road, they end up in that like rest room with like the vending machines and the bench. And it's like, this is probably where Travis spent a lot of the last four, like places like this, where he spent a lot of the last four years when he wasn't just out in the wilderness. Um, 
and then his son is like, oh, it's fun to like hang out here, but it's like wakes up the next morning like there's no place for a child. Just like the the weird, like literally liminal space, um, and how estranging it is to have like a child in that is good. Mm-hmm. Um Tron said, Do you all remember the drive-thru banks of the tubes? To which I say, they still have drive-thru banks of the tubes. Every bank I know has drive-thru has like the drive-thru the tubes. Yeah, that's still um, a thing. Yeah. I've never seen this in my life. I assume this is more of an American thing. I know of them. I know about the drive-thru bank for tubes, but <laughs> have not myself experienced them. Yeah. Um, then asked, what do you think of the flat planes of, te- planes of Texas? I'm like, well, they're not that different than the flat planes of here. We live in a very flat part of the world. We are in mm-hmm. the plains, the great plains. We, yes, the great plains. Maybe you've heard of them. I couldn't imagine walking through that kind of wilderness, though. Ugh. Ugh. There's so much that could kill you. Yes. Um, the thing for me, being from Britain uh, and not knowing anything about like America and just experiencing it through films, right, is the ways in which, like, the opening scene, right, where he walks in to that bar, um, yeah, and the outside of it just looks abandoned. It looks like it's died and you're in The Last of Us or something. Um, yeah. But then you go inside and it's just a normal inside bar with electricity and water and everything, right? Like, that's the thing for me is the, the, um, how it can appear externally with the emptiness of the place, but how, like, you know, they've been living there for ages. So you hooked up everything. Uh, that's, that's like an experience of purely seeing it through cinema, right? I've never been to, to Texas, probably never will. Um, I've driven through, uh, yeah, I've been in Texas, I've been in Houston, and I've driven through whatever between Houston and, uh, and New Orleans in terms of, like, highways of East Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, it does, it does look like that. It is just kind of feels like nothing. There's a whole lot of nothing in America is the thing. Uh, yes, that's, that's true. And not in like a, oh, we could do something with this. It's just empty space. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the. It's it's mostly desert. Like, <laughs> yeah. Once you get past a certain point, you got a lot of fields, and then you have like mostly de- desert. It's not great land. Yeah, but I I guess you did do a genocide for it, so good job. Yeah. yeah. Um. It was way more than one because uh, <laughs> that like one the europeans like you know pushed natives off that space then it was owned by the french i think that'd be part of the louisiana purchase but then we also went to war with mexico over that part of the world specifically yeah because um, like that's how texas happens right <laughs> yes yeah it was just mexico i know of the louisiana purchase i don't really know what it is because uh, oh. I, I i just in my in my broad knowledge i know colonies Colonies become America, westward expansion, Louisiana Purchase, war with Mexico. At some point, you buy Alaska. I don't fucking know. Um, like that's my, that's that is my knowledge. So but like, there's a the most thing. The terms. thing. So when we were going, when we were when we wanted to go west, France owned most of it, right? Okay. And so America just and was really getting out of the being in the the New World business. You know, they just mm-hmm. had a rough go of it. Um, other than Canada, I guess I don't know. Um, and then, uh, and so we bought it all. Uh, the, this is the amount of land. It's a lot of America. <laughs> is this Louisiana Purchase? Yes. That's a lot of land. 
Yes. We always learn about it because Nebraska is smack dab in the middle of the league. Nebraska is land, so. right dab in the middle of it. Yeah. Nope. Um, so, uh, you know, it's part of our westward expansion. I think once you get further west than that, no one owned that. Like, no one had claimed that stuff yet um, It was just in terms of European nations. Yeah, I was say, this was all Mexico up here, California. And yeah. New Mexico. Whatever this well, Mexico is, is also West Western expansion. So someone, ha- if, if if it's Mexico, then someone has claimed it. Yeah, because <laughs> Mexico is Spain. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, that's it for questions. Again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, next episode, we should be back in two weeks, boring any other disasters. And I, it's my pick. I am choosing the Walter Hill classic, Forty Eight Hours. Yeah. Uh the landmark buddy cop movie. I'm very excited. I've seen this before, it's been some time. I remember this movie being really good. Um and I think we'll have a lot to talk about. So I hope that I hope that still shakes out. <laughs> I'm excited. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um Someone should do a Walter Hill podcast. Not me, not us, but man, you want to talk about a guy with a bunch of fucking interesting movies to his name. That's true. That is true. Anyway, uh, plugs, Destiny. At Fridge Buzz now in most social media circles and uh, my other podcast, Bad Lane Girls, can be found on abnormalmapping.com slash badlanegirls. Jackson. You can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com uh, and you can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com They're good podcasts. You can find me on twitter at em underscore being you can support all of our work at patreon.com slash normalmapping. One dollar a month gets you Great Gundam Project. We're currently watching Superior Defender Gundam Force which is a CG kid show and Digimon Tamers which is the third season of Digimon. It's very good. Uh, $5 you get blockbusters. We're about to record our next episode, which is about Michael Bay's The Island, uh, which I'm looking forward to, having not seen it. Uh, I'm so I always went to. And then uh, for for $10 you get uh, VoIP Life for every two weeks. We hang out often with friends lately and just kind of goof off and talk about whatever comes to mind. It's a very chill, freeform podcast. So, yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, thanks, everybody. Enjoy the pod. Just tell your friends about the show. Send emails, watch the movies, and we'll see you. No, we have a sound. The I man, don't expect to like them. <laughs> <laughs> movies now more than ever. Don't expect to like them. There we go. I have COVID. I'm allowed. <laughs>